Good morning. My name is Kevin. I'm part of the pastoral staff. I serve in the area of family ministries and small groups and integration. And uh, this morning, I have the privilege of uh, uh, leading us through Romans chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 14. Uh, Romans was a, a book uh, written by the Apostle Paul, probably while he was in Corinth in around 60 AD to the uh, Christian believers in, in Rome. And uh, I'm going to ask you this morning to use your imaginations, because I'm going to be using a parable, a story, an analogy. Uh, I, I think I'm in good company since Jesus taught with parables. He did a much better job than I likely will do, but uh, there is a lesson for us to learn uh, out of this story. And I'll, I'll give you the punchline, because I'm not so confident in my uh, analogy that you'll, you'll get it, but the, the punchline here is that princes and princesses don't eat from garbage cans. I think the tabloids would be all over, TMZ would be all over Prince William if he was out there dumpster diving in the trash. They'd be taking pictures and they'd be wondering what's going on with this guy. Um, and they would, that would be a year's worth of material for them. And I think it's something that we, we agree is rather obvious that princes and princesses don't eat from garbage cans and yet many still do it. So let's first read the passage. Let's let scripture speak. Uh, then I will tell you the story. And then we'll work our way through the passage and relate it to the parable. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. So what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has, been, who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ has, was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So, picture a land where a beggar is rooting through a dumpster. 
in the back alley. Just a second. I'm going to help you with this. Some of you don't do so well with uh, imagining. I want you to get the full picture here, or at least as much as I can provide here on stage. Beggar. Okay? Picture a land where a beggar is rooting through the dumpster in a back alley. And a stranger approaches him and offers to take him to the castle on the hill where the king lives. I'll help you again. A little bit less climatic, but uh, (laughs) it'll work. Nice big grand castle would be awesome, but uh, we work with what we got. So the beggar accepts the stranger's offer, and he's hoping for scraps from the king's table. But when he arrives, the king not only greets him and offers him a meal from the royal table, but he offers to adopt the man and bestow on him all the rights and privileges that come with his new royal identity. The man accepts, and instantly the beggar is declared a prince. The king tells the prince that he must now learn to live as a prince. And to help this, the first thing the king does is set up an inauguration party so that everyone knows that the former beggar is now a prince. And the newly adopted prince receives a robe and a crown and a ring and is welcomed into the family by other princes and princesses. This is a massive transformation for the new prince who was once a beggar. His identity has totally changed And he doesn't exactly know how to live as a prince. So he spends the rest of his days growing and stumbling into his new royal identity with the king beside him, helping him. So, as we step into this passage of Romans chapter 6, we notice right away that it's referring back to to chapter 5. It starts with a question. And so, Last week, Bruce talked about Romans chapter 5, where sin came into the world through Adam, but the overflowing grace came through Jesus. Verse 20 of of chapter 5 says, As sin increases, grace increases all the more. And I think uh, Paul is speaking to the 15-year-old me when uh, the question comes up, so, so what should we say? Should we go on sinning? That was kind of my attitude when I was 15. Okay, so if, if grace is going to increase even more, if I sin, I'm actually helping God, right? Because he can, he can show me more grace. That's totally my 15-year-old mentality. And Paul deals with this and, and, and says, no, absolutely not. Don't keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving. So let's go back to our analogy here and and picture our new prince uh, talking to Paul. And the prince ends up saying to Paul, you know, I'm going to go back to the dumpster as a beggar. And every day, so that I can be rescued by the king again and again. The king is so gracious. He'll receive so much praise from everyone for continually coming to, for the king continually coming to rescue me and showing me grace. Isn't that a great idea, Paul? And Paul, who also is an adopted prince for far longer, in the nicest way possible, 
smacks the young prince upside the head and says, that's the dumbest idea in the world. You have died to your life in the dumpster. You're not a beggar anymore. You can't go back as a beggar. Your identity has totally changed. We are princes. It's absurd for princes to dumpster dive. We don't belong there anymore. We don't live in sin. So let me try and explain why Christians can't live in sin any longer. And you'll notice that in this passage, there are three tenses present. There's the past tense, there's a present tense, and there's a future tense. And there's salvation found in all three of these tenses. We have been saved in the past. We are currently in the process of being saved in the present. And we will be saved in the future. The past tense is called justification. And a few weeks ago, this is what Spencer talked about. It means to be made right. Just as if I'd never sinned. Being made right with God. In being justified, the man's identity has totally changed. From beggar to prince. He is totally adopted. You can picture a a, a caterpillar to butterfly. Totally new being. In justification, we can say that we are saved from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death. Romans 6.23. That's our passage for next week. In our parable, the equivalent would be never getting out of the dumpster of sin. Being separated in relationship to, the, to God, to the king forever. And Paul is saying in verses 1 and 2, it doesn't make sense for the prince to go back to the dumpster so that God, can, the king, can keep implementing his rescue plan. It doesn't make sense for any prince to go dumpster diving. His identity has changed. It's actually now impossible to go back as a beggar. Paul's focus in Romans, in Romans is because of Christ's final sacrifice, a prince can't go back to eating out of the dumpster as a beggar. He's no longer a beggar. He has a royal identity of a prince. Even if he chose to go back to the dumpster, he's going back as a prince. I'm a prince. I've been adopted by God. I'm going to go back and dumpster dive and try to put on the identity of a beggar. And I can't. I, 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 I'm a prince in the garbage. It makes no sense. If you're following the analogy, you may have the question, because you realize that Christians still sin. It's not like it's impossible uh, for us to sin, to go back to the dumpster. We know that all, t- all too well. And yes, unfortunately, it is true that Christians do still sin. And unfortunately, many Christians are living as, prince, as princes and princesses in the dumpster. But their identity has not changed. They're, they're, they're not beggars anymore. They're not, they are totally princes. They have died to sin. For some Christians, for some princes, they are back at the dumpster of sin because they don't believe that they deserve to live in the palace. They've been back in the dumpster for far too long. Not as beggars, their identity has totally changed, but as princes who have forgotten their royal identity. I'll stretch the analogy a little bit more. There's been times where they've tried to go back to the castle, but other princes and princesses have judged them 
and told them that they don't deserve to come back. I must say that those princes and princesses weren't living out their royal identity either. True princes and princesses welcome with open arms, without judgment, the princes and princesses that are lost. Like the story of the prodigal son, where the older son struggled to live out his identity because of his own self-righteousness. Even if princes and princesses come back to the king reeking like garbage, they are always welcome back because that is where they truly belong. That is their full and complete identity. If you are a person who has one time accepted Christ and fell back into sin and dumpster diving, you need to hear that you are always welcome back. You are a prince. You are a princess. A child of God. The castle is where you belong. Don't let shame or doubt or fear or insecurity or lack of knowledge keep you from living out your identity in relationship with God. But what you need to do is you need to learn to live out your royal identity. We all do. And this is the second tense, the present tense. The prince is continuing to be saved. Paul is also talking about this in this passage, that we as princes and princesses are presently being saved from the power of sin. This is the process of sanctification. It's made a little bit more obvious at the end of the text. I'll start in verse 11 and uh, go to 14. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Justification. Okay? Beggar to prince. Therefore, present tense, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Present tense, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of righteousness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. You are not a beggar, but a prince. So on the one hand, you are justified. Beggar to prince, identity change. Therefore, now live out your new identity. That's sanctification. You have the ability to go back to the dumpster. You know how to survive on the streets. Now learn to live in the palace. You have the responsibility to not sin, to grow in holiness. This is sanctification. The up and down process, yeah, the up and down process of learning to become holy. It's how we are saved by overcoming the power of sin. And fortunately, God's Spirit is helping us significantly, significantly in this. But we also have our own responsibility. Paul is saying, because you are a prince, because you have been adopted by the king, stop eating the food of a beggar. Stop wearing the clothes of a beggar. Stop talking like a beggar. Learn the new ways of royalty. And all believers struggle with this. We are all imperfect princes and princesses who haven't perfectly learned to live as royalty. We learn lessons from the king's book. We learn from older princes and princesses. We learn from being in relationship with the king. 
But we all have our not-so-princely and princessly moments. But that doesn't mean our identity changes back to being a beggar. A quick example. As a beggar in a dumpster, it makes perfect sense to feast on little white lies. Oh, they're so good. I can just jump in here and eat all these little white lies all over the place. They taste so good. They they protect me, and sometimes they even protect others. They taste so great. But that's not what princes and princesses dine on. Princes and princesses dine on the truth. They live by integrity. That is the way of spiritual royalty. Telling lies would be like a prince going back and looking for a supper in a garbage can. Telling the truth, even if it hurts the body, feeds the soul like a heavenly feast. Because you aren't tempted to go back to what it was comfortable. Just because you're tempted to go back to what is comfortable, a little white lie, sure would taste good, doesn't mean that you actually need to follow through with it. You have a gourmet meal of integrity and truth waiting for you. You've been set free from thinking, living, and acting in that way. Sin shall not be your master. So, if you have been a dumpster diving prince, and we all have, we've all been there. You've accepted Jesus, but in some ways your life hasn't reflected it. You haven't learned the ways of of royalty, the heavenly royalty. Continue to learn to live the way the king wants you to live. (laughs) And when you don't, instead of running away, run back to the king for forgiveness. A hundred times. A thousand times. Remember last week that God's grace is overflowing. Continue to return to him. Okay, so you may have noticed I skipped over uh, much of the, the first section, went right to the, right to the end. And I should point out uh, that the process from beggar to prince can only happen through Jesus Christ. He became a fellow beggar like us. In the parable, he is the stranger, the king's one and only son coming to earth disguised as a beggar. That's the incarnation. That is the Christmas story. So let's read uh, Romans 6, uh, 3 to 10 again. Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now the road from dumpster to palace is a relatively easy road for us. But it's only because Jesus has paved the way. 
and it wasn't, and the way wasn't easy. Building the road from dumpster to palace was a torturous death, not just of the physical body, but included all the sin and all the evil of the world for all time weighing on him. Jesus' victory over death paved the way for us to have life. So as we walk this road from dumpster to palace, we walk the road of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So when we arrive at the castle, adopted by the king, there needs to be a sign to represent that we identify with what he has done. And the sign here is clearly baptism. Now I need to address baptism. Uh, For Paul, salvation, receiving the Holy Spirit, incorporation into the body of Christ, and baptism, all would have occurred basically at at the same time. And I think Paul would say it's absolutely inconceivable for a believer to not have been baptized. And yet today we have many who have chosen to accept Christ and yet have have yet to be baptized. They've been adopted but haven't attended the inauguration party. I'd like to suggest that one of the duties of, the first duties of a newly adopted prince or princess is to show up to the inauguration party. Now I realize that inauguration might not be the right word in the analogy because it's a little too connected with uh, American politics here. My apologies. Inauguration means the beginning or introduction to a system or the ceremony to mark the beginning of something. That's baptism. It's the beginning. It's the birth announcement. The king has adopted a new prince or princess. They've been identified with, they have identified with and accepted the saving work of Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. The king wants everyone to know that the one who was once a beggar is now a prince. There needs to be an outward sign that shows this inward reality. The king has fully adopted the beggar and made him a prince with all the authority of the kingdom. But if there isn't a public inauguration, how will people know that the beggar is a prince? How will the prince function with confidence that he is a prince? I think it's safe to say that it's inconceivable to Paul that a believer wouldn't have been baptized. And in this parable, it's inconceivable that a prince would not attend their inauguration party. Baptism is the starting point for sanctification. Justification has already happened. You've been adopted as a prince. That happens by faith alone. Baptism is the sign that you have repented from sin, received forgiveness from sin, died with Christ to sin, been raised to new life, and received the Holy Spirit. A quote from our Mennonite Brethren Confession of Faith. Paul's focus is clearly to show that we totally identify with Christ's death, and as a result, we totally identify with his resurrection. We are fully in Christ. We are fully in Jesus. We couldn't do this on our own, but Jesus could. And he died, and he was buried, and he rose again. As we accept Christ's act of salvation, the righteousness of Christ is transferred to us. The sign of our identity with Christ is baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In baptism, we are publicly demonstrating death by going into the water, burial by going under the water, and being raised to new life by coming out of the water. 
Jesus' command in Matthew 28 was to make disciples of all nations. Two descriptors of a disciple. Baptized and teaching them to obey. It's not obe- it is not obedient to the commands of Christ if you're not willing to be baptized. There's lots of grace and there's lots of forgiveness, but it is for the prince's own good and for the benefit of the church that they are baptized. And I say this as, as lovingly as possible, but if you aren't following Christ's command in baptism, what other commands of Christ become optional? We believe that baptism should follow one's conversion as closely as possible. We talk about baptism as a birth certificate, not a graduation certificate. It doesn't mean that you have your life together. It means that you're starting your journey as a child of God. We all grow into our baptism. Just like a prince grows into his crown. Just like a couple grows into their marriage. If you're a believer and struggling with fear and doubt and pride and envy and lust and jealousy... My first pastoral question to you should be, are you baptized? We know baptism isn't a silver bullet cure-all. The process of sanctification is a long one. But as we walk in obedience with Jesus and God's word and the life of the church, sin becomes easier to overcome. And baptism is an early step in this. So can you be saved without baptism? Can you become a prince without an inauguration? It's like asking if a child can be bored at Disneyland. Sure, but why would you? The New Testament understanding of salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. But why wouldn't you be baptized? Baptism is the norm. It's not the exception. And certainly not an option at some sanctification buffet where you can pick and choose which commands you want to obey. A prince doesn't say, yeah, but there's too many inauguration classes. And I have to stand in front of people. And I'm afraid of the crown. And what if I trip? And I'm not good enough. I still haven't learned to be a perfect enough prince. All the other princes and princesses are better than me. I'm not good enough to be crowned. I still dumpster dive too much. My response is, yes, I know. Yes, you still dumpster dive. Yes, it may be scary. But it's the start of learning to be a prince or a princess where you identify with what Christ did for you. Jesus wasn't messing around when he said that anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Carrying a cross does not just mean going through hard times. It literally means dying. Dying to ourself in our old way of life and following the commands of Christ in our new life. Now that's the hard part. The other side is that Jesus also wasn't messing around with us when he said right after his command of baptism in verse 20 of Matthew 28, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are not in this sanctifical process alone. God has walked the road and will help us. But we we need to be willing to obey. If you're wondering why it's so hard to get out of your old life, Maybe it's because you haven't allowed for the inauguration ceremony. Baptism is a key moment that you can't go back to that you, that you can't go back to and say, "Yes, I am a child of God, set free from sin, full of the Holy Spirit, and I don't need to dumpster dive anymore." 
I've been united with, in his death, and I will be united in his resurrection. I believe that an inauguration ceremony will strengthen the young or the old prince and affirm his new identity so he won't be tempted to dumpster dive. Now, yes, there are logistics, and yes, there are classes, and no, it's not as simple as the Ethiopian eunuch who was immediately baptized in the book of Acts. Baptism is linked to sanctification and is necessary if you are taking the commands of Christ seriously. Uh, If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have not been baptized, please consider taking this step. And I realize this isn't the point of what Paul is exactly saying, but to him it was a no-brainer that a believer was baptized. I believe the Christian church today has grown lax on this. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying that you're a bad person. Please don't hear any judgment from me. But simply, I'm pleading with you to follow the way of Christ and be baptized. I want to finish up by adding one more final tense uh, to salvation, and that is the future tense. Justification, the past tense, being saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, the process, the present tense that we're living in of being saved from the power of sin. And glorification, this future tense of being saved from the presence of sin. Verse 5, if we've been united with him in a death like this, we will, future tense, certainly be united with him in a resurrection like him. This is a full bodily resurrection. We believe that Christ's return will mark the end of the presence of sin. Everything will be made new. Dumpster diving won't be an option anymore. The presence of sin will be totally swallowed up by the light of God. And God's kingdom will be perfectly restored to a relationship with him. If you're looking for ways to respond to this, uh, first, accept Christ's offer to everyone to be adopted into his family. Leave the penalty of sin, which is death, behind and receive the full identity change to be one of his children. Step two, get baptized. Baptism is, is, is a process that we can walk through here. We have classes on it. We can teach you about it. Uh, but it's very easy to sign up. Call the office and say, hi, I'd like to be baptized. I'll follow up. I'll give you a call. I will hunt you down. Send me an email. Just talk to me. Call the office. We'll get you through it. Third option for response. Please pray for those who aren't baptized and lovingly encourage them. Welcome back the princes and princesses who have forgotten their royal identity. For those of you that are in small groups at the back on the, on the rack there, there's uh, some questions that you can go through this week. Um, and I would, I would ask you to discuss how to strengthen this analogy. Send me some feedback, but also spend time just praying for our church, praying for one another, uh, and praying for those who are, are struggling to uh, live out their identity as Christ followers.